Pat Mayo experience. Let's dig into some fantasy football today. Jake Seeley from TheAthletic.com is on the line. We're going to go over the rookies that were drafted to their new teams and maybe even some players who could have moved up or down the board because of draft things that happened or did not happen because there are some running backs that we thought their teams were going to draft a running back and then they didn't draft a running back. So all of a sudden, you're looking pretty good. Not going to lie to you. Uh, remember to smash the like button to the episode and tell me in the comment section uh, who you think that the number one rookie, if you had a dynasty draft right now and it was rookies only or it was a rookie draft, whatever, you know what I'm talking about. Either way, who would be the number one pick in that? That would be the uh, the smash the like button and do that. Also review the show five stars on the audio podcast. We'll be good to go. Jake, what's up? <laughs> Not me. <laughs> I just told, I forget who was asking. Oh, Chris Vaccaro, friend, was asking my friend to help him do a podcast logo. He asked me on Friday at 5 p.m. I forgot. It's like, dude, I legitimately, once 7 p.m. hit, I think I've been in my computer every waking moment since, and this is the first day. I slept till 9 today. Woo. That was actually an accident. So how, yeah, I I can see that. You were writing up player profiles for, like, dudes in the seventh round who, like, most definitely will not make a team. (laughs) I know. Well, at least I got down to one or two sentences for those guys. But, yeah, I did. And thanks to Nando that counted it, it was 76. And that wasn't even all the skill players because I didn't even waste my time with a few. There was like a quarterback or a tight end that I was just like, I don't even care at this point because I already moved on to, I went from analyzing every skill pick to updating dynasty rookie rankings to updating next year's 2020 to overall way too early. And then, oh, wait, wait, that's right. I even forgot. See, there you go. I also did draft grades in there for teams for a fantasy spin. So I mean, I just, uh, who is it? I called Zach Moss, Zach Love yesterday. That just tells you how tired I am. See, I, I enjoy that a lot. We can just start <laughs> making creative players and maybe they'll be better than the real life version. Who knows? Uh, uh, that would be true. I even tagged you because I almost dropped the F-bomb because I had like no filter on a podcast yesterday. I like it. You almost swore one of these days. <laughs> almost. You're going to be dropping I did F-bombs. it one time on your show. One time. I do it like eight times a show. <laughs> That's fair. Someday you'll catch up to my pace. Anyway, let's talk <laughs> about running backs right off the hop. Um, Clyde Edwards, hilarious, ended up being the only running back going in the first round, crushing my under 0.5 running backs bets. I had Antoine Winfield as top safety and I had under 0.5 running backs. And I was looking for their dream 32nd pick of Antoine Winfield to Kansas city. And then it just blew up my face. I didn't win either bet, but anyway, uh, (laughs) is he the number one guy is if you had the number one pick in a rookie redraft or a dynasty draft right now, he would be the pick, right? Yes, 100% for me. And I know some people out there want to talk about Jonathan Taylor or even one of the wide receivers. But the truth is, and we'll talk about other ones, I'm sure, but there's a couple things. Like Jonathan Taylor, whoever ended up on Kansas City would have been one-on-one. Like if it was Taylor, if it was Swift, whoever it might be. Miami was looking, as you mentioned, as one of the other spots of where somebody didn't go of an opportunity. But even there, it's still not Kansas City. And that's the appeal here. I did my projections already in my rankings for next year. I don't have Edwards Hilaire rushing for a thousand yards. You know who doesn't need to rush for a thousand yards and still finish as a top five running back? Alvin Kamara, Austin Eckler. He doesn't need 250, 260, 270 touches. He doesn't need to rush for a thousand yards. He's going to score double digit touchdowns. And he's with Patrick Holmes and the Chiefs for his entire five years of his rookie, at least rookie uh, contract. So I don't see how there's even a debate here because Jonathan Taylor will be the guy. But 
there's more touches involved in that backfield, especially when you talk about Naheem Hines in the passing game. And then again, the wide receivers, they're great. And usually you do want wide receivers, especially in Dynasty, but not when you have an opportunity like this. To give you a little sneak, I thought I was drunk before, and I was kind of speculating where he might end up. When I did the projections, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in redraft finished sixth at running back for me. So, in a in a season-long league, would you take Delvin Cook or Hilaire? Edwards-Hilaire? I would take Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook's at four for me. Would you take Joe Mixon or Edwards-Hilaire? Edwards-Hilaire. See, here's the thing, and I get <laughs> – that if he plays 75, 70, even 65% of the snaps, that, yeah, he's probably going to be a top 10 running back. But they still have Damian Williams, and I know they've been trying to push him out the door, but we've seen weirder things happen that maybe it is a split. Like, there's not a 100% chance that he's the guy who plays all of the snaps in the Chiefs' backfield. No, but he doesn't need to. That's, and that's what I was talking about with the 200 carries and the, or the you know, rushing for 1,000 yards. He doesn't need to. The thing is, even if he's 60%, and this is a newer split than we've ever seen. I mean, that's the thing that people were pounding the table for Damian Williams last year, including myself, is that Andy Reid loves to use one running back the majority of the time. Damian Williams was used that way at the very last end of the season in the playoffs, and that's the appeal. But, like, this team clearly doesn't like Damian Williams that much. They kept trying to bring in other people, sign LaShawn McCoy's dead corpse. So, like, all these things, and he's like, you know, they went to the first round, they were pounding the table. There's one for him, too. There's another cliche. And there's they were going to move up. They were trying to trade up to make sure they got him before he fell all the way to. Like, there was, I think, somewhere around the 25th or 26th pick where they started talking about trying to move up or wherever Miami was, 23 or whatever. Anyway, this is their guy. It wasn't Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Oh, Jonathan Taylor already went. It wasn't or DeAndre Swift. or like No, it was their guy with the pick of the running back litter. And you saw what Andy Reid said. He's Brian Westbrook, but better. I mean, think whether or not that ends up being true, we have to see somebody play football for that. But if he's saying that, I, there's no doubt in my mind. I know you said 100%, but there's no doubt in my mind it's at least 60% of the work. If it gets to 70 75%, then he could be pushing Dalvin Cook. I think Joe Mixon's an interesting one to go up against here, just because I know that Joe Mixon's going to be the guy unless he holds out, which it doesn't seem like he's going to do anymore. But, yeah, we'll keep up to date on that. That between the two, I know that one guy is going to get like 80% of the work behind a line, even though it's a worse offense, although the offense should be improved, you'd think. that I think that there is a floor and a safety to that, even though they might be back-to-back. If you want to go Joe Mixon, I'm not going to fault you for going Joe Mixon. I want to be vaulted right behind Edwards Hilaire. I have Henry Fournette, Mixon, Chubb. If you want to take any of those, even Chubb with his risk of not being involved in the passing game with Kareem Hunt, as we saw for the last half of the season, it ended up being one or two, maybe three receptions in a game. His floor is still tremendous because he's Nick Chubb. If you want to take any of those, it's certainly fine. For me, you know, like looking at the way too early rankings, it's almost kind of, when you and I talk, and we'll do it in a couple months, but we're talking like tiers type of stuff. Like I would almost say McCaffrey's by himself at this point. Barkley, Elliott, Cook, and then Kamara just kind of by himself with Edwards, Hilaire, Henry, Fournette, Mixon, Chubb, Jacobs, all in a group where you could kind of shuffle them around like wide receivers. But for me, you know, you know how I ranked my projections. Edwards, Hilaire barely snaked it out. I'm gonna, I'll pull, I'll pull up the projections and tell you how close they are. 
Well, let me ask you about Chubb for a second. With Stefanski in Cleveland now, and they've upgraded the passing game again, they've obtained a better offensive line out of this entire thing. Do you think they go back to, like, do you think Kareem Hunt is as involved as he was towards the end of last year? Do you think that was a schematic thing from the kitsch? And do you think that completely gets <laughs> changed and they go to a Nick Chubb as Dalvin Cook, but in Cleveland? No, because we saw some use from the other running backs, including Madison uh, with the Vikings before this. So I do think he stays involved. Maybe, you know, the best case scenario is that it's not as involved. But I think the fact that you saw they gave the tender to Hunt pretty early in the process tells me that he's probably going to be used pretty much the same as he was last year. There's no reason to go away from how effective it was. But uh, just to pull that up, like Alvin Kamara is at 255, and then you drop down to the Chubb, and it's 225. So we're talking about 30 points gap between that. That's actually bigger than I expected, but it's that 30 point gap, that, that range between the five of them. Jonathan Taylor, not Thomas, goes to the Indianapolis Colts. Marlon Mack is still there. Naheem Hines is still there. What do you make of this situation? Because, I mean, drafting a running back in the second round and being like, oh, we have a starter. Maybe this means Marlon Mack gets used in a different way. Like, it, it would strike me as difficult to believe that all of a sudden Marlon Mack's just not used in this offense anymore. Uh, it's not going to be, he's not used. It's just, he's not going to be used much. Uh, you don't move up and go get Jonathan Taylor and take Jonathan Taylor with the draft capital. You do. And a running back like Jonathan Taylor, not to start him. Like Jonathan Taylor is the guy. I know all the speak is out there about blah, blah, blah. Uh, you don't think that a team might coach speak and coach it up and still whatever to try and trade Marlon Mack. I mean, that might be the Marlon Mack might not even be on this team. Leonard Fournette, the Jags, Jags were trying to trade him. Uh, so if Mack is still on this team, oh, guess what? He gets his four or five touches a game, but that should be about it. Because as I mentioned, the biggest concern I have for Taylor not being the one-on-one is Naeem Hines and Phillip Rivers in that passing game being kind of the poor man's Eckler. But Jonathan Taylor can pass catch, uh, not, terrifically he's definitely not Naheem Hines he's definitely not Austin Eckler but he can I, I think that the Colts just might not use him as much to start because they have Hines and that's where you talk about the workload but Jonathan Taylor will be the guy Jonathan Taylor is way too good he could have been and you know I mean a lot of people did have him as the number one running back in this draft class so uh, the Colts didn't draft him to sh split 50 50 in that backfield so you would have him at number two amongst rookie running backs. You'd have him ahead of DeAndre Swift, who looks like he's going to push on Johnson out the door and Bo Scarborough. Yeah, I mean, that's what we're doing. We're pouring one out for Marlon Mack and Carryon Johnson. Sorry, guys. And my Deshaun Hamilton love over here. That well, I mean, but, but, but sometimes, like, we can even go back to, like, hey, Rashad Penny was drafted in the first round, but then they're playing Chris Carson. Like, there's there are that's, ways. I know that's a very specific example. Right. But there are ways where this just doesn't work out, especially if we don't get OTAs, we don't get the preseason, and maybe these guys can't ingrain themselves into this offense as quickly as possible. Maybe some of these guys are on the Miles Sanders plan from last year where we don't really see it till like week 10 no, and that's certainly fine but not with these guys these so Rashad Penny if in this draft class for me wouldn't even been on tier two he would have been on tier three like that's how good this draft class was so these three guys you and I guess you can include Edwards Hilaire because he went to the Chiefs he wasn't originally in that tier one he was even I said tier two with Edwards Hilaire and Akers they were kind of tier 1.5 this year like a lot of years they would have been tier one um, but those three, Swift, uh, Taylor, and um, the Dobbins, who we haven't even talked about yet, 
I mean, these guys are drafted to be the guy. Dobbins is in a completely different situation because of who he's drafted behind, and he's more looking like the Miles Sanders to bring up your conversation for that. I actually even said that on our podcast yesterday, is Dobbins is the one who by midpoint, maybe late in the season, takes over Mark Ingram's role, and now he puts up Miles Sanders' RB1 numbers down the stretch. That's the appeal there. But these two, these two come in to, like I said, Barry, Mack, and Johnson. Of course, you know, if we don't get news on the NFL season and all of a sudden we're pushing the season back and these players haven't got to practice with a lot of team, the rookies and free agents that move teams, there's a little bit of a concern there. You know, maybe you downgrade them a little bit. Maybe they start off slow, as you're saying. Maybe it's 50-50 to start. But for now, if we're just like, it, we have to assume as of today, everything's going to be fine. These guys are being brought in to kick the other people aside because they are that talented. It's not a Rashad Petty situation where it's like, oh, they're as good, maybe slightly better. They are significantly better. It's just weird that they would go out and the, the whole reasoning behind like Penny and even Harris from last year on New England. I know he was banged up was they spent first round draft capital on these guys. Of course, they're going to play and they didn't play. Yeah, that's what happens. Sorry, I got a little stuffed up over here. That's no sleep, no stuffed up over here. You've been staying up doing a bunch of cocaine, have you? Now you're all stuffed up. I was, I was watching that Bulls documentary. <laughs> so the rest of the guys, so you have Dobbins. I think Dobbins and redraft just isn't, could be, I don't know if he would be the next one up. I think for a dynasty draft, he's interesting, like you mentioned, as he takes over this job, just having a running back with Lamar Jackson should be pretty good. But of course, you have that awful Mark Ingram, just doing no one a, a good service here by being awful to begin with, then blocking someone that maybe we like in a good situation. <laughs> then you got like Cam Akers and Keyshawn Vaughn. Keyshawn Vaughn is super interesting. Why not project the role of him taking over in Tampa Bay over Ronald Jones, the second who, you know, frankly, no one really wanted to use anyway, especially Bruce Arians. Then like, I know he wasn't drafted as highly. He doesn't have the same pedigree as Edwards, Hilaire, Taylor, or Swift, but like, we're just assuming they come in and knock out the incumbent. We don't think that's going to be the case. No. So, well, I have Keyshawn Vaughn at 31 for, we're talking redraft. I have Ronald Jones at 42. I actually do think he's in the lead. I don't know that Ronald Jones is completely dead. Obviously as things change with that role, that might switch, you know, if the Keyshawn Vaughn ends up having the entire backfield to himself, the thing is he still won't have a lot of the passing game because not of your guy, the goon, uh, he's actually pretty much a rel- You might as well drop, drop him from Dan- dynasty rosters because they drafted Raymond Calais way late and he's the pass catcher now. So if you stay with that similarity to the Patriots where Calais becomes James White and he is the pass catcher, despite the fact that Vaughn, can be a decent pass catcher. That's just not his strength to the level of class or even the goon. So the thing with Vaughn is you're hoping for first, second down work. You're hoping this kind of turns into a LeGarrette Blunt-like situation where even if he's not involved in the passing game, they just score so much on the ground that he ends up being an RB2 or an RB1. But as of today, you know, Ronald Jones is still there. Like Vaughn versus Jones is kind of like the Penny versus Carson situation where, yes, He's better, but is it big enough that we can say right now it's Swift over Johnson, it's Taylor over Mac? The gap isn't as big. So I do have him higher. I do have him in that conversation. I have him higher than J.K. Dobbins. But as of right now, it's not a guarantee that it's his job. What 
is his ability in the passing game or even pass blocking because you'd have to think well you have this Arians offense that wants to go vertical with Tom Brady as your quarterback you know I not necessarily there's going to be a James White of Tampa Bay but I could see a running back piling up a ton of catches in Tampa Bay it might not be a specific guy that they bring in to catch all the passes like they did in New England but if Taylor could be that guy on the field maybe it could be him and the good thing about it is Vaughn was one of the best pass blocking running backs in the draft. So that's where you get some real appeal here. I mean, and that's why I have Vaughn already ahead of Jones. Not again, not as big as a margin as the other two, but I have him ahead because I think that, I mean, what has Ronald Jones struggled since day one coming out of college is in the passing game, both blocking and receiving Vaughn's an okay receiver, but a terrific blocker. Even with the drafting of Clayus, Clayus might be the pass catcher, but Vaughn won't come off the field as much as he would have. If they, if they never drafted Vaughn and only took Clayus, and then they rolled out those two, Ronald Jones would come off a lot more than Vaughn should come off. So, again, this, you know, for Vaughn, I would go with him. I would take the gamble on him. And, you know, you might end up, assuming he wins the job, you might end up with the top 20, top 15 running back. Would you rather draft Keyshawn Vaughn or Kareem Hunt in a redraft? I'd rather just go for what could potentially be an every week winner for me and Vaughn. I know that like hunt was fine, but I, it's, it's the same thing with James white and it's a lesser James white. You, you have to rely on four or five catches every single week. What if it's one week where they're just up a lot? It's only three catches and he only ran the ball three times. Like that's my problem with hunt. That's my problem with James white. It's not that I don't love them in PPR for where you always get them. But for this situation, I mean, Vaughn could be your guaranteed RB two every single week. Hunt's probably an RB3 at best because of that inconsistency. Cam Akers goes to the Rams. Obviously, Cod Gurley is gone, but Daryl Henderson's still there. Malcolm Brown is still there. Yet people, again, are just projecting Cam Akers to be the new lead back with the Rams. I don't know if that that's going to be a, a wait-and-see situation just to see a, the coach speak, how people are practicing. But it would, it was strange because, like, Henderson, as we talked about a bunch of times on the show, that, like, once he gets the outside, so fast. Um, other than that, he doesn't really seem to do anything all that well. And they seem to like Malcolm Brown. They would bring him in to steal Todd Gurley's touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think they'll be bringing him in much anymore. This is another one. You, you could pour out Malcolm Brown, but Daryl Henderson, for me, isn't going anywhere. And the fact that I didn't, like, I was a fan of Daryl Henderson and people will talk about draft capital spent on Henderson last year and talk about it with Rashad Penny and the fact that they spent a second rounder now on acres, which my whole thing here is if you're looking at acres and spending the second round after Henderson and after everything you've done and the needs that you had on this team tells me acres is the lead. Maybe it's not 70%. Maybe I would assume they're not going to give them the Todd Gurley workload. I'm assuming they've pretty much learned that they don't need to do that. A lot of teams are starting to learn that. But a 60-40 split with with Akers being in the lead and Daryl Henderson still being out there because he is so dynamic, because he is so explosive. And the thing with Daryl Henderson, as much as I always liked him, I even said that for the longest time, is that he was kind of in that conversation with the Ecklers and the Edwards Hilaires and all that type of stuff where he doesn't need to and shouldn't touch the ball 20 times a game. So I actually think this is fine. I think Henderson's fine. This value is going to be the same as it would have been before. It's like fringy RB2, RB3 if he can get him there with some weeks where he'll give you RB1 value. But I do think that Akers is the lead. I just think they really offset each other very, very well. And people don't realize how good Akers was because of how bad the offensive line he played behind. So when we're thinking about Akers, like obviously you'd probably take him over like a Kareem Hunt type. But what if it was, and we'll get to the next guy down on this list, like you're going to have Devin Singletary against Zach Moss in the backfield. Like what does this, what does Moss do to Singletary's value, I guess is the good question. 
I don't think it hurts as much as people think because Singletary was never going to be a big touchdown guy. We talked about it on your show. You kept bringing it up and you do it all the time. Josh Allen, similar to the Cam Newton in his prime, stealing touchdowns from his running backs. Like Devin Singletary is never going to start scoring seven, eight, nine rushing touchdowns. Just as that's who he is. And similar to Daryl Henderson, you don't want Singletary touching the ball 20 times a game for 16 games or you get to kill the kid. Like that's really what it's about. Singletary needed an offset of piece. Uh, there it wasn't probably going to be TJ Yeldon, as we just saw, as they drafted Moss. If Frank Gore was still used, even as slow as he looked last year, just to, you know, spell Singletary at times. He did get 20 touches, I think twice. But either way, that's not what you want every week. So I'm fine with Singletary. He's actually 21 for me. I still him as a mid-low RB2. And I think that's where I probably would have had him no matter what, unless they just came out of the draft with absolutely nobody. But I did expect them. I actually thought they might take like a AJ Dillon. And then I would have been a little bit more concerned about his value, maybe knock him down a few more pegs. But I never was going to have him projected for that many touchdowns anyway. Uh, among like, If we were to throw Devin Singletary into this mix with these rookies, would you go Jonathan Taylor or Devin Singletary? Jonathan Taylor. Would you go, obviously, Edward Solaire you're going with. How about Swift? Swift. Or- Really? Yeah, you, even in that offense? Like, that, that's, they, they just don't. They, they, the Lions under Patricia basically are the Patriots with Belichick in terms of usage of running backs. Like, if I knew, <laughs> like, there's no guarantee. Like, all of a sudden, Bo Scarborough is going to be in the game and get like eight straight carries and be like, what is going on? Or they'll call up some <laughs> dude we've never heard of and then he's going to get a bunch of touches. I, well, for all that, I'll just put it this way. If Todd Gurley was on the Rams, or around the Rams, on the Lions in his prime, would you not take Todd Gurley anyway? And that's really what I kind of painted as. Like, Swift is Gurley-level talent. Taylor, all three of these guys, they are exceptional running backs. And we're talking about Zeke, Barkley, all these running backs that the people didn't want to even draft in the top five because they've never played it down in the NFL. Like, these are top 10 NFL running backs already. They're, they're that good. You know, maybe if we actually ran down a list, they might fall to 11, 12, or 13. But they are. Of course, you're right in your concern that Patricia just screws us over. But for me, I'm going to assume that they didn't draft him here. They didn't take him here with the fact that they have still the draft is over, questionable defensive spots. They needed some offensive line help. They actually addressed that a few times in the draft. They still had question marks, and they still went and got Swift. I think they looked at it as a value of like, oh, my God, we have a running back of the future. He shouldn't be there thought the Dolphins might take him. We got to take this guy who could be our running back for the next five years. So I guess the last guy to really talk about, unless there's extra names that you want to throw in is, but we're still, we're talking about fantasy players in particular here, but like AJ Dillon, like how does he even fit into the stupid offense now? He is what the Packers have been trying to do with Jamal Williams and Dexter Williams. He's the hammer. He's the, like my comp for going to the draft was like a slightly smaller Derrick Henry. That's really what he is. He's just all power, all muscle, kind of embraces contact a little too much, which is kind of the downside for him. But where you know this, I've never been a big Aaron Jones fan, not because of his talent. I've said this time and again, people are probably tired of me saying this, but I love his efficiency. I love how good Aaron Jones is, but he also shouldn't be a 20 touch guy. And the Packers have clearly tried to make that not happen. It's happened, but they're they've been trying with Jamal Williams and Dexter Williams and other people. Like they finally got one. I don't see Aaron Jones being in there for a lot of goal line packages. I think that you have. I'll tell you right now, AJ Dillon's only RB forty for me. But I think you have to be concerned about the touchdowns where you already had Aaron Jones re- touchdown regression coming. Just that fact in it of itself was coming. Then you look at the fact he was kind of Amari Cooper like with these giant games and then off weeks and mixed in or whatever. 
And with AJ Dillon now, I actually Aaron Jones ended up falling down to RB nineteen, which that actually ended up being one of the angriest players people were about. Well, I, if you were going to say that if A.J. Dillon appears to be the potential vulture or the power back in this offense, then you would have to drop Aaron Jones down. I'm thinking to myself, who would I rather have over Aaron Jones? Well, I'd take Kenyon Drake over him. I would take yes. Edwards Hilaire over him. I'd take Miles Sanders over him. I'd take Gurley yes. over him. Like, I'd take all those yeah. guys. Gurley's one spot in front of him. Carson's two spots. And that Swift, Sanders, Eckler, Drake, Taylor. And then we're now near the top ten. Well, let's... Is there any other rookie that you think we should bring up here as a part of this conversation? Uh, who else have we talked about? Oh, Josh Kelly. Okay, tell me about Josh Kelly. Uh, Joshua Kelly is – I always – so it's funny. My, one of the pastors at my church is Josh Kelly, so I always abbreviate even though he goes by Joshua Kelly. Like, fr- Oh, friend, you hate that show, Joshua. Uh, I, I have a question about pastors. Are they, are they the ones who can marry or not marry? <laughs> I don't think pastor, I think you still have to be ordained to be able to marry. I don't know. I don't get like, I don't get into that politics. I told you I'm not denominational. We, our church doesn't get caught up in the, whether you pray to Mary or if you speak in tongues or if you do like what like, it's just, Oh it's my God. Do, do people, st- do people speak in tongues? <laughs> no, just, oh. that's what I'm saying. Like we don't get caught in all that stuff. Like that's just, anyway, if you ever <laughs> want to watch it, it's wave church anyway. So, um, not to be confused with the wave, which people do because that is a gay club in Virginia beach. So very, very close. Don't go to the wave. It's wave. Okay. Church, so so, so you might, you might get some people like bombing you on like the, now that everyone's like at home watching like sermons and everything on like zoom, like, yeah. you, you might get an unintentional zoom bomb from, uh, from the wave. <laughs> yeah. You never know. You can get some like party ravers. You just never know what's going to happen. That's what makes it so great. So Josh, anyway. Josh Kelly to the Joshua. Chargers. Josh, Josh, Joshua <laughs> Kelly, sorry, to the Chargers. <laughs> I mean, they have a bunch of guys anyway. They have the Pope. I think he's still on the team. They have Justin Jackson. Uh, they, they have Eckler. Like, Justin Jackson. Like This is to take over for Justin Jackson? This is to take over Justin Jackson and more. Uh, Jackson's value, he's another one that we pour one out for. But it, I, I'm going to say something right after this, too. But Josh Kelly, Joshua Kelly, he comes in to be Melvin Gordon, but on the flip side now. Now it's not Melvin Gordon 60-40 to Eckler. This is probably more 50-50 and maybe even 60-40 to Eckler's side. This just keeps Eckler. Yeah, I threw his name out. I still am at, I have him as RB14, but a lot of people want to put Eckler inside the top 10 again after what happened last year. Eckler played half the season with Melvin Gordon. And in that second half of the season, when Melvin Gordon was close to that 100% game shape, got those few games of rust out of the way, it was his backfield. And Eckler was now down to three carries, eight carries, four carries, and then even got some work that being Melvin Gordon in the passing game. And I think that second half of the season, with a slight uptick, because now it's Eckler's backfield, is what we're going to see. And that's why I have Eckler at 14. I think that he becomes relevant, that being Joshua Kelly. Joshua Kelly still, though, I still only have his, where is he? I'm looking for him. Right now. Oh, 34. He's RB34. He's barely an RB3. But I think he's going to be more involved than some people assume. All that said, I did want to throw this out because you mentioned it earlier. Again, I mentioned on my podcast, this whole offseason's whack and crazy and nobody knows what's going on. The Eagles keep saying that's why they drafted Hurts because what if somebody gets corona and then he's quarantined for four weeks? All that, you looked at a lot of these teams – and I wouldn't be so quick to, you know, while I said Justin Jackson's, you know, pour one out for him, he's still going to be on the roster. And some of these RB3s, fours, wide receivers, five, sixes, if things keep going like this in America or the world, they might become relevant just because everybody's going to want the roster depth with the NFL talking about might expand the rosters just to cover for all this. So 
there might be some people that don't get released because rosters get expanded or people are covering their butts. So we got some good names at the rookie running back position outside of like guys who might actually make a fantasy impact. But is there a chance that DJ Dallas, wiki, 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 ends up taking over for like Chris Carson? No, but there's a good chance he takes over for a shot penny. Is there a good chance that he performs the halftime show? (laughs) That's also possible. Yes. (laughs) But like DJ Dallas does sound like a 1990s. Like he was the guy that showed up on say by the bell for a little party or whatever it was. Yeah. He actually Um, sat now DJ Dallas sounds like he would have been like the DJ, but of a boy band. (laughs) Like, you know, that you you remember like when the Backstreet Boys came out with get down and then there's like that weird rapping part. Like that could have been DJ Dallas for all I know. (laughs) There you go. 100%. Throw one out to Dallas. What? <laughs> yes, there, there's DJ Dallas. Will, that's going to be the highlight of his career right there. Just with everything you just said. But here, Dallas is, this puts kind of Rashard Penny on last notice. Like Rashard Penny has had injuries and, you know, that's part of the equation and him not performing to what people expected, including myself when he was drafted. You mentioned the draft capital. I actually asked at the combine the year after the Pete Carroll. I said, you know, you spent all that draft capital. Are you disappointed and looking to get more involved with Penny? He said, I always love both of them. They've always both had a role in his offense. Well, I think it's clear that Pete Carroll has always wanted kind of that complimentary piece. Chris Carson has looked terrific, uh, went healthy as well. But if Penny falters, that the Penny role will be Dallas's role. And the Carroll intention is to get that guy some work every single week. If you're in the... Two one four. Throw your hands up. Make some noise. DJ <laughs> Dallas coming at you. Like, he could have had like a really bad radio show, like overnight on Fridays on some not really listened to radio station. <laughs> Two thousand two. You're listening to one hundred three jams. <laughs> uh, any other guys from down here? Like uh, the guy that was brought in to replace Dion Lewis, presumably. What the hell was his name? It was hilarious. Darrington Evans. Yeah, Darrington Evans. That's like Darrington Evans. It'd be better if it was Darrington Evans, but I don't. I like that first name. Like I, you know, I'm having a son soon. Maybe it needs to be Darrington Mayo. I, I don't like the extra N in there. I do. I'm, I'm I, I, I think like the, the the more ridiculous letters you can throw in a name, the better. Like Demarius <laughs> Thomas, which still makes no sense. Yeah, I, I, but well, at least you don't have to worry about that anymore. I'm looking down my list right now to see. Well, there's a few more we could throw. I mean, LaMichael Perrine. God, I can't. I need sleep. Perrine? (laughs) Yes, thank you. LaMichael Perrine, he's essentially the handcuff to Le'Veon Bell. And if this team starts thinking, like, look, they already talked about trying to trade him after they signed him as soon as the the Gase showed up. Didn't they bring bring back Bilal Powell? Bilal Powell doesn't matter. So you say Bilal Powell doesn't matter, but he's on the team and he knows the offense. He'll probably get some uh, on the team and knows the offense. Hey, look, we're going for upside here. And I'm just saying uh, like that, like for all intents and purposes, Paul shouldn't be the handcuff. That's the, uh, you told me to go down the list. You're throwing out handcuff opportunities here is basically what I'm getting at. Uh, Darrington Evans, not he's Dion Lewis, which means he has no role, no value. I should say in fantasy. Unless, until something it, happens. Yeah, unless Derrick Henry gets hurt, but I don't even know who else is on the roster at this point beyond this guy. No, well, so that's the point. You know, Eno Benjamin landed with the Cardinals. That a lot of people were surprised he was still in the draft, and he landed in a good spot. If anything were to happen there, and I feel like I'm forgetting somebody. Well, the the one guy that I wanted to bring up, just knowing how they, I mean, they drafted two running backs, uh, Salvin Ahmed and Jamichael Hasty. That's a name, especially because it's J A capital M Y C A L Jamichael. That's 
fantastic stuff. But with the way that the Niners use running backs, they ship Breda out of town. May, I mean, Jarek will probably just get hurt before the season starts again. But <laughs> you know, Jeff Wilson Jr. had fantasy value last year at one point. Yeah, like it's certainly possible. And that offense just, what do we joke about last year? I said, how's nobody figured out to stop Rush Shanahan's running game, no matter who's in the backfield? So like this definitely looks like it's Mostert's backfield. Tevin Coleman's still there. They did, like, as you mentioned, they got rid of Brita. So now there's three essentially as of right now. Uh, the only concern I have with that is, you know, just are they ever going to see the field unless you get multiple injuries? And then even if they do, is it the Jeff Wilson where it's okay. He got five touches and just happened to score two touchdowns. As what else? Anthony McFarlane was who I was forgetting Booger McFarlane's son. That's not really his son. Anthony McFarlane. He's bam. He's behind James Connor. Not only is he behind James Connor. And let me clarify this because apparently needs clarification. I think you understand Pat. I think all your viewers understand, but just in case when I said, just in case, don't be surprised if he pushes James Conner. Pushes James Conner doesn't mean he has the job. He doesn't mean he's better than James Conner. For the person that jumped down my throat about that, it's still James Conner's job. James Conner's still the better running back. James Conner's also very injury prone. James Conner's also probably at this point shouldn't be touching the ball 20 times a game, even though the Steelers are one of those teams that usually do that. I kind of think the Steelers might have learned McFarlane might have a nice little role each week, let alone the fact that he's now the handcuff behind one of the best opportunities in football when you're talking about being on the Steelers running back. So just a big cross-off with Benny Schnell and Jalen Samuels? Well, J- Jalen Samuels, I wouldn't be surprised if everything goes the NFL way. They might keep him again because of the roster depth concerns right now, but Jalen Samuels might be out of a job, period. Benny Snell, I think, stays latched on, similar to these power options. But Benny Snell was never really that good of a running back. He's basically Jordan Howard of a lesser version. I think I told you that on your show last year. I've never been a Betty Snell fan. Well, let's talk about some of the guys that were affected by the draft, by teams not drafting anyone or seeing an opportunity arise for them. You mentioned the San Francisco backfield with Raheem Mostart, Colonel Mostart. But you have Jarek, who's presumably coming back. It doesn't seem like they're cutting him as of right now. Uh, and then you have Tevin Coleman sticking around town, too. Plus Jeff Wilson Jr. Yeah, can't forget that he's there. And Kyle Jerzyk. And they drafted two running backs. They like running backs in San Francisco. I worry about drafting Mostart. He feels like someone who's going to have five awesome games and then score like three points in the rest of the games <laughs> i am super concerned as well actually mostert finished rb24 in my ranks he's another one people got upset about did you not see mostert did you not watch mostert play like you know, no that's i just never tuned in i actually just kind of like pick names out of a hat when i'm doing my <laughs> rankings just so you know uh, so look my question immediately back is probably the same one you're thinking pat do you ever trust shanahan ever no that's my problem I don't. And that, that, that's exactly. the whole point. Like, I can see a world where Mostart finishes as RB13, but he was only playable for six games. <laughs> so he's basically Deshaun Jackson. Like, I could see that world. I could see him in a world where he finishes as RB9 and just blew up almost every single week. I could also see him finishing as RB30 and Tevin Coleman finishing in front of him or somebody we haven't even considered yet. Like, maybe one of the rookies is Jamichael Hasty. Like, like just it's the freaking Shanahan offense. Why do people keep doing this every single year? Yeah. And even to look at it, like it would be one thing if like, just look at the playoffs, for example. So the first game they play against playoffs. the playoffs, they, they win 27, 10, they route Minnesota in that game, 12 for 58 on the ground, zeros 
through the air. In the game where he absolutely destroys Green Bay, 220 yards rushing, he ended up with two catches for six yards. In the game in the Super Bowl when they lost to Kansas City, only 12 carries. He did have a touchdown. That's nice. One catch. Like, if he's not scoring touchdowns on the ground, he's kind of useless. And that's the concern, especially with how many people play half and full point PPR as well. It's kind of the reverse concern of James White. There's zero touches on the flip side of the ball. It's, it's the non, I don't know, non-dominant hands, so to speak. So where he's not being involved in the passing game, it's Derrick Henry. Like if something's going wrong in the game, you don't have that safety net. You don't yeah, have that. that okay, yes and no. The one thing about Derrick Henry is he doesn't even come off the field. Like there's no chance. I know. There's no chance. But there's no chance that he gets 12 <laughs> carries in a game. I would say his comp is Aaron Jones. Like you just, if you want to draft one of those two guys, flip a coin and figure out which one it is. Well, yeah, but see, Aaron Jones is going to be involved in the passing game. I was trying to think of somebody who just never catches the ball. That was like, of course, Derrick Henry. I was, I almost threw out Nick Chubb's name, but I thought people would react the same way you just did. I was just talking about somebody who's not catching the ball. So okay, that's you hit on it earlier. Then it's Legarrette Blunt when he was in New England. There you go. Like he's gonna yeah. have games where he gets twenty six carries, and there's gonna be other games where he gets four and zero catches. Yeah, yeah. 100%. So just, just I, I'm not saying draft him or don't draft him. Just know what you're getting when you buy him yeah so like after two weeks if he's no good you're like oh my god i need to cut colonel mostart you probably don't this is what you signed up for (laughs) or you could do that kind of the similar strategy from last year with miles sanders let somebody else draft and get frustrated and give him away for nothing and then watch him dominate for eight weeks like i would still rather have mostart than like melvin gordon who i just don't think is good uh it's funny you say that they're actually two spots apart i have melvin gordon in front of him quick quick fun fact about melvin gordon it's not any good. I think he's better than people want to give him credit for. People love to hate on Melvin Gordon. He's he's the fantasy industry's Mark Ingram for you. People just love to hate him. I guess so, but like I just I worry about his fantasy value when he's not getting blood dumps from Rivers like twenty four seven. I don't think it's that bad. I just I think that you're looking at the fact that people forget Melvin Gordon and his great performances for until he basically got hurt and guys, then held out. Yeah, then held out. Guy's always hurt, always holding out. He was RB. Can't trust him. Can't trust ah, him. I got I to gotta look to double check. I think nine. He was RB eight, nine, or ten, I think, once he started that run for the last eight games. Like, uh, in fantasy. He, he's fine. He, trust me. Marlon Gordon is still good. And that's with Austin Eckler being like, I think he was RB 11 at that point. There, there, or maybe I'm flipping the two. But basically, essentially, once he was dominating again, they were both RB1s the rest of the season. That's let's stop hating on Melvin Gordon. You have fun with him in Denver. The guy's going to be terrible. I will. The guy's going to uh, be I, off- absolutely. <laughs> that offense is either going to be so damn fun or John Elway and Drew Locker together looking for jobs next year. <laughs> yeah, it's either awesome or it's it, it's how Cleveland offense actually was last year versus what we thought it was going to be. It's one of the two. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Miami running back situation. That's where Breda ends up going from San Francisco. Jordan Howard is there. Our Laird and Xavier is still currently on the team. Uh, I would wager that even though they traded for Breda, Jordan Howard's the guy getting the ball first. I don't know how it goes after that, but it's just Jordan Howard. This is what he does. No, and uh, I agree with you, and I have them. Actually, so Jordan Howard's only four spots in front of Breda just because I actually think that until Hurt – Breda is involved quite a bit. They're both in the 30s for me, and I would take Howard before him, but I think Breda is going to be 
all pass catching work and should be because we've seen Jordan Howard like you can he's somebody else that got way too much hate especially it's similar like Eric Ebron the hands weren't as bad as people made him out to be they just always happened in the worst times and on like this oh it's always on camera for like the highlight of the game on the red zone channel just happened to be on it's like every time they drop the ball it just happened to be the worst possible situation their hands aren't as bad as people make them out to be it's still not Brita it's still not Brita in the passing game I think this might just be a 50-50 split in the backfield. Although if you want to include Laird, you know, maybe it's 50, 45, and five, and then five to Laird. But I think that Breida is going to be involved for as long as he can stay healthy, and they'll both be out there quite a bit. But I would, to your point, I would take Howard before I take Breida, but they're not that far apart. What about in Atlanta? They don't draft anybody at running back. This looks <laughs> We're to be – I mean, it just looks to be Todd Gurley's backfield. This is great. Yeah, Todd Gurley in front of Aaron Jones. Hey, hopefully Atlanta also knows that Todd Gurley shouldn't be touching the ball 25 times. Oh, they don't care. It's a one-year deal. Run him into the ground. Oh, that's what I was going to say is that he probably 18, 20 times a game. And and if Todd Gurley is even, let's be truth about, or let's speak some truth about Todd Gurley. Even if he's 90% of the Todd Gurley we used to know when he was in his prime, that's still better than a half the rosters have in running backs out there probably puts him inside the top 20 talent wise, just 90% of what he used to be. So if he's in a backfield that has been vacated by Devontae Freeman with Cadre Olsen and Ito Smith, it's his backfield. We're talking about 200, probably 40 plus touches. And in that case, that's why Todd Gurley finished at 18. I don't love it. I'd feel sick taking Todd Gurley as my RB2. I would hopefully he falls enough to get to my RB3, but it's not likely he will because of the opportunity somebody's going to take him. I think that he's probably going to finish as a running back one this year. It's not going to be wow. fun. As long as he there stays, you there you go. if he stays healthy, like I don't see a situation for a lot of running backs that you, even if he's 80% of what Todd Gurley used to be, I'm not super concerned about the talent. I'm super concerned about how good this opportunity is. It's a pass happy offense where people have to respect the pass and they're going to run when they get in close. And now he's back playing indoor. Like this is going to be great. Would you take Miles Sanders or Todd Gurley? I got to think about that. I haven't done my rankings yet, Jake. That's going to be a very tough one, though. I I would lean Gurley because he could score 20 touchdowns, but Sanders is probably going to be better. If it goes bad for Gurley, it's going to go really bad. And then he's a giant colossal bust. I don't see Sanders. I I just (laughs) don't see him. I don't see Miles Sanders flaming out here. But like just because Miles Sanders had a nice run towards the end of the season, a lot of the same things people are saying about Tevin Coleman. Uh, like oh, or not Tevin Coleman, sorry, uh, Colonel Mostart, that look how great he was at the end of the season. You could point to, hey, look how great Miles Sanders was at the end of the season. But we know that Doug Peterson so rarely gives one guy the ball over and over and over. Oh, that, 100%. What, and who, still, what, if, what if it's still, Boston Scott time? What if, I was going to say, what, yeah. What, what if it's a weird, what if Jalen Hurts is like going to be a Taysom Hill type player and he starts taking touches away from these guys? Nah, Taysom Hill didn't run the ball that much. It was no, but he got, but he got the ball on plays where it presumably could. <laughs> no, have that's went to the run. concern. That's the concern is that the, the freaking Eagles are basically running four verts every single week because they drafted eighteen deep threats to this. I don't. Somebody's not making the team. Either Alshon Jeffrey isn't okay, Deshaun Jackson isn't okay. No, both of them aren't. Something's going on because they just drafted tons of deep threats and they drafted a lot of opportunity here for, and they already had on this roster. I don't think this team throws away Ortega Whiteside after one season 
Similarly, too, like I, the Patriots aren't kicking away Nikhil Harry because he bombed as a, as a, I almost said a freshman, as a rookie. So all that being said is I understand what you're saying about Miles Sanders, but at least it's only Boston Scott now. And I think that you're right. I mean, I've been somebody that's said that very stat about 60% of the touches rarely happens under Doug Peterson. But 55 to 60% week in and week out at this point, as the roster is constructed today, makes me feel good at Miles Sanders. I can see your point, but that's why I threw him out because basically at 15, I have Sanders, Eckler, Drake, Taylor, Jacobs, Chubb, and now we're inside the top 10 with Chubb. I don't see how you put me. I don't see how you put Gurley in front of any of those guys. I could, I could see you putting him ahead of Chubb. I, I really need to break down this entire Chubb situation. Like he, he will have be, because, because of the split, presumably with Hunt, if that continues, like that's really going to take away from his fantasy value. Uh, it's not as bad as you think it was. Even if you, if you, even if you take all of those games, he's still an RB one. Like from week ten on last year, I can't imagine he was an RB one. Yeah, I'll I'll check while we're looking. This is yeah, a week, week magic weeks, of the- weeks ten to sixteen. Where did he rank amongst running backs? I'm gonna pull it up for you. Just give me a second. Research. I gotta do by the week. So here we go. Week ten, not seventeen. So we just want sixteen, correct? Yes. Yeah. At RB. Yeah. And he was oh, hold on, let me go to PPR. He was RB thirteen PPR, RB ten standard, RB eleven half point PPR. Okay, so it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. So that's good to know. Nick. Mm-hmm. Right there. Actually and there's your answer, by the way, to go Austin Eckler was at thirteen, Melvin Gordon was at nine. Yeah, Melvin Gordon sucks though. He's not on the Chargers anymore. Well, then if you chop the weeks up differently, I can actually push Melvin Gordon down to make you feel better. So now yes, that, that would be um, that would be preferable. <laughs> Use the weeks that he didn't play, please. No, no, no. I added one more week for like where before he really got rolling. And now he's down by 15 and Austin Eckler's up by 12. So there you go. I feel better. Yeah, a little bit. So, yeah, I'm just I'm just <laughs> looking right now. So the, the Chubb thing is interesting. I can't believe he still finished that highly. What did he have? A he huge... was back to back with Elvin Kamara down that stretch. They were like side by side. But but Kamara got all of his scoring done like the last three weeks of the season when he finally scored touchdowns again. Which is almost worse if you want to. He's Chubb's one spot in front of Eckhart, one, two spots in front of Mostert. And then at 10, Sanders. Oh, here's one for yours. Todd Gurley was number nine. It's a volume play. That's why. Like as long as he Benny, gets the, as Benny long as he gets the goal line opportunities, he's going to be fine. And like why I would think like Gurley versus someone like Chubb, where the split could be something. And if you think that Cleveland's going to be better, maybe this is a, a relevant type of argument. But you would have Chubb getting 65 percent of the overall workload. We know none of that's really going to come through the air over those final few weeks. Zero, three, one, one, three, zero in terms of receptions when uh, Hunt came back. So they're using Hunt in the passing game, or at least they did. And this is just thinking that they tried to stick with the same sort of offense that they did last year. And then he gets all of the goal line work. Yes, talent-wise right now, he is better than Todd Gurley. He's going to break off longer runs, score longer touchdowns. He's going to look better on the field. But if Gurley is playing 80-plus percent of the snaps and getting all, all the goal line work and presumably – piling up what like two three catches a game like that's not a lot if you're a guy who's on the field that much like fantasy points just flow through that type of situation it's a lot like chris carson was at the beginning of last year no that's hey look you're i'm not disagreeing with anything you say i for me personally we discussed excuse me which way we go i pulled it up while you're talking and i have chubb at 224 i have todd Gurley at 204 so it's a 20 point gap which 
I mean, divide that across 16 games, point and nine, point and a half a game. So if you want to make that case, I'm not going to argue too much against you. It's a bigger gap than you would have because I have Chubb at 10 and Todd Gurley down at 18. But your point remains. I'm trying to think, is there any other situations where I guess like Le'Veon Bell is fine with the Jets? Like all the guys that we thought were the number ones remain the number ones. Is there any situation where it was up in the air and then no moves were made? And then all of a sudden you're like, ah, that guy's not so bad. Like after day two of the NFL or day one of the NFL draft, it was like, hey, Ronald Jones looking pretty good. Then all of a sudden that got pushed aside. <laughs> Yeah, that got kicked to the curb real fast. Uh, I think the biggest one that we haven't mentioned, but I mean, that's just, I'm running down my list right now. The Carson one, like we talked about, was just a backup situation. Bell's fine. Uh, Yeah, that's kind of it. I mean, David Johnson, clearly the Texans are fine with David Johnson being David Johnson. So outside of that, the only other one was Leonard Fournette that didn't get traded. And there's still a possibility that he ends up getting cut. I don't think they're that. They crazy. don't. They don't like him. No you one likes not him. Like him. I, which, I, hey, I, I'll take him. Put it this way: today, if I was doing a draft, not knowing what the future holds in store for Leonard Fournette, I'd probably draft Raquel Armstead in the last round, just because he's the only other guy on the oh, team. I did that before the draft on a couple of leagues, just threw him out there because the trade might happen. But I keep going back to why, like seventeen hundred yards and three touchdowns. His fault. It wasn't his fault. Like the touchdown, he's the opposite of Aaron Jones. His touchdowns, Alvin Kamara, it should skew back the other way next year for the positive regression if the Jaguars don't screw this up too. The Jaguars just, I mean, I guess it would have shocked me. but well, Well, that's the whole thing. It's a franchise that's pretty inept. From all accounts, Fournette is a terrible locker room guy who they want to get rid of because they just don't want him around all the other people. Like He's lazy, bad traits. These are all the rumors about Leonard Fournette. And you have a situation where you don't want to be good. Like, why keep him I mean, around he? if he's going to be good? No one wanted to trade for him was the thing. I know. So where, that's what I'm saying. Where does he even go at this point? Like, because you're I, not getting draft. I mean, somebody throws you, what, a third rounder or a fourth rounder next year? No, you're, you're, you're getting nothing. Like, it's either he's on the team or he's cut. Like, no one's trading for him. Well, so, well, now I'm trying to think of places where he can land as a free agent. That's kind of what I was looking at here. I'm getting intrigued. Who put him in Pittsburgh, Houston, maybe a top five running back in Pittsburgh. Yeah, potentially. So um, maybe we'll do wide receivers. Did on you say enough. Houston. Yeah. Houston. Just stick him in there. <laughs> put him with David Johnson. Uh, he would get cut. He hold on. He would get cut and be free to sign. And Bill O'Brien would sign him and still send a third rounder just for the hell of it. Smart. That's what you got to do. You got to show respect. Put some respect on that name. Uh, we'll do wide receivers on a different show. I want to talk about tight ends, though. Is there any yeah. tight ends year one that no. could do anything? No, no? just straight no. up. No, this tight end class was disgusting. Uh, I said that I didn't have any in the tight end one conversation. The Cole Komet for the opportunity to land in next year could get into the tight end one fancy conversation. He's that good. The biggest problem with Komet, he's not good as a blocker and he struggles to release from the line. Two things which can be improved in the NFL level, but that's the thing is he's not starting this year, not seeing a lot of snaps. We know how hard it is for tight ends to like, look at, put it this way. Hawkinson and Fant were tier one last year and they would be tier one this year and they'd be tier one next year. They're that good. Look at what they did as rookies. And now you're talking about a draft class that nobody even came close to Fant and Hawkinson. So 
That's what we have to look at, whether it's Komet, whether it's anywhere. There's Bryant, Harrison Bryant, Hunter Bryant, apparently because of the injuries, didn't even get drafted, picked up by the Lions afterwards, somebody to watch down the road. But I guess his injury was worse than people thought. But like Asi Asi, even with the Patriots and his opportunity, like all these, like it doesn't matter. Just the, the tight ends don't even think about anything until 2021. And it's the worst possible landing spot. Like, yeah, the Bears cut Trey Burton, who's in Indy now. Could hurt Jack Doyle a little bit if he's healthy. But they still have, like, 10 tight ends. They assigned Jimmy Graham. <laughs> Dude, they, you know, that's they legitimately do have 10 tight ends. I, 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 I wasn't joking. Okay, yeah, because I brought it up on the podcast. I asked Brad and Chris. I was like, do you know how many tight ends are on the roster? Right? Do you know how many wide receivers are on the Eagles roster right now? Actual receivers? I mean, that are they're listed as wide receivers. They're 13. technically on the roster. 16. Let me double check to make sure they're all still there. And the Let's best see. one, and the Three, best one's six, Greg nine, Ward. Twelve. Oh no, fifteen. They're down to fifteen. Nice. Somebody's gone, or maybe I miscounted yesterday. But it's fit. It's still it's fifth freaking teen. I almost dropped the f bomb again. I need you, sleep. You do. You go get some sleep, Jake. We'll come back and we'll do wide receivers <laughs> uh, and quarterbacks on another show. Running backs really where it is though. And frankly, the only reason I want to do the dynasty talk is I have the number one pick in a rookie draft. So I, I just wanted to make Selfish. sure. Yeah, listen, it's the only reason I have this show, so I can ask people smarter than me about what I should do so I can be good at stuff, too. You know what you should do? What? Just because you hate him so much, you should trade down and then take J.K. Dobbins later because then he'll just take over for Mark Ingram and you can doubly celebrate. Maybe. I probably don't even need to trade down. Maybe get another pick. Maybe I'll trade up. I'll <laughs> take number one, then trade up for another pick. I'm Does all, anybody I'm, need a quarterback? I'm all, I'm all about trading up, Jake. No, see, if anybody needs a quarterback, he could trade down, too. Somebody might want Burrow. Maybe. I don't think so. I don't think Burrow's going number one with that pick. Is it single quarterback? It is single quarterback. Like, I could use a quarterback, because in that league, I waited till the very end, like, rounds 50 to draft quarterbacks. Oh, there so, you go. So I trade was like, back for two firsts. Yeah, so I instead of drafting, like, a real quarterback, I took Meany and I took Cam and Jameis, presuming one of them would sign in a good spot. And so far, no dice. <laughs> Hey, real quick before you get out, you want to hear D'Angelo Williams like freakish like uh, what's not theory? What's the what's the word where like people are conspiring with a plan? What's the like, conspiracy theory? Yeah, maybe yeah. that's it. Oh God, I need to sleep. Um, so he's he's out there. He's saying that the Packers are trading Aaron Rodgers to the Patriots and going to sign Cam Newton. <laughs> I like it. That that would be amazing. I would love it to happen, but that's super super conspiracy level. I, I, I'm all in on that. Where do you think Cam goes? I mean, if it's not going to be the Patriots, I, like, the, well, the Winston thing shocked me for the Saints. I still think, you know what? It, the problem is they can't test him. And I think that's the issue is that they can't really get a good read on his health because otherwise, at this point, Steelers make sense. We Again, I keep going back to the Steelers because we don't know. They don't know. Is Ben Roethlisberger going to be 100%? And I know that Cam Newton's kind of doubling down on injury-prone quarterbacks at this point. But why wouldn't you bring somebody to that in case Ben gets hurt again? I thought that was a great spot for Jameis Winston instead of turning to Mason Rudolph again. Yeah, I don't quite understand. I think that would be, if he's going to take a backup job, that's probably the backup job to take. But you have to think that Cam wants to be a starter. That you le- have to, le- but that- where's, where's it going to start? That leaves New England and Jacksonville. That's a, and that's about it, and that's the problem. And I don't think he, the Patriots have made it clear that they don't want him. They also, have no, ca- they, also have, they also have no cap room. Yeah, well, that's part of it, too. The Jaguars, do, I mean, that would just they're going ahead with Gardner Minshew, and I actually can't even really fault them for that. 
So now you're down to that, you know, and that maybe, Hey, Atlanta back up Matt Ryan. He's like 75 years old at this point. How old is Matt Ryan? I'm curious. I think he's like 33 or 34. That's not that old. He's 34. He is 34. Oh, wow. Matt, Matt Ryan and I are like almost exactly the same age. <laughs> wow, he, looks so much, he looks so much better than I do. I have a well, better, so- I have a better hairline though. You know, for like jokes aside, for the whole again going back to the Eagles about worrying about backups and all that type of stuff, and why not Houston and back up Deshaun Watson? Like, I mean, there's there's a lot of situations where Cam Newton. Put it this way, Cam Newton is better than all of the backups, and then a handful of real NFL quarterbacks. Actually, probably half the league. I mean, he's better than Kirk Cousins. Again, assuming he's healthy, he's better than Derek Carr. He's better than Jared Goff. He's better than Daniel Jones. He's easily still a top 15 quarterback he should have a job somewhere even if he's 90 like to kind of the Todd Gurley situation even if he's 90 percent of what he used to be yeah he's better than Carolina starter well Carolina's tanking without tanking yeah I mean Washington I guess is still technically on the board they didn't draft a quarterback nah they're going ahead with Dwayne Haskins as they should don't don't stunt his growth don't dick him around like that yeah but like if Cam's not hurt Cam's what 30 you can get like five years out of Cam who's great he- you can, but Dwayne Haskins could also be great without the injury history and out the, you know, that situation. Oh, we're not just writing him off. Who Dwayne? Oh yeah, we were writing off Harry, Ortega, Whiteside, Haskins. Who else could we write off from the rookie class because it's only been one year? There's a couple, I'm sure. Yeah, but the worst thing that could happen for Dwayne Haskins right now is go full golf, be like pretty good a year or two, and everyone's like, he's awesome. And then, like, they <laughs> sign him to a huge extension. It's like, oh, no, he's not good. I thought you said pure goth at first. <laughs> Maybe he wants to go goth as well. He'll start, like, smoking in the corner behind a locker. <laughs> With the kids from South Park. Exactly. All right, Jake Seeley, what do you got coming out at theathletic.com? Sleep. No, so, nothing. I, I, today we're doing our way-too-early mock draft, six rounds. We're all drafting two teams. We're going to have it on Zoom like this. We're going to actually have video on the site in an article. Uh, but I actually have a little bit of a break until next week. So in case you missed it, I had my top 88 profiles before the draft. I had my live pick by pick during the draft. I had the dynasty ranks, the grades and the way too early rankings. You go to any of those articles, it's 90 free days. So, I mean, you really, hopefully that takes you up to the season, kind of get into the preseason form. And that's actually a thing. And the NFL doesn't get passed back, push right. back. God, I'm tired. Yeah, you get some sleep. We'll reconvene either later in the week or early (laughs) next week, and we'll talk about the wide receiver class of rookies and the quarterbacks for both redraft and dynasty purposes for the 2020 fantasy football season, presuming that happens. We're going to talk about it anyway. It really doesn't matter if it happens or not because we're still going to be doing the shows. But I'm Pat Mayo. You can follow me at the PME, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Remember to sub to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast and rate it five stars, something you enjoy about the Pat Mayo Experience. Remember to smash the like button and tell me who would be your number one overall pick in a rookie draft this season for fantasy football thank you all for watching Pat Mayo I'll see you next time experience experience